Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Linda Carter, hostess with the mostest Munoz, and welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. goosebumps. (laughs) Welcome back, folks, and how you doing? <laughs> Is that copywritten? I hope not. I, I don't need her people coming after me. As always, I'm your hostess with the most, is Michael Munoz, and today is National Hoagie Day, and how befitting for today's podcast episode, all about heroes. But before we get into that, as always, today in gay history, in 2011, California Governor Jerry Brown announces the signing of the Gender Non-Discrimination Act, AB 887, and the Vital Statistics Modernization Act, AB 443. AB 887 makes illegal discrimination based on gender identity or expression in employment, education, housing, and other public settings, and AB 443 allows transgender people to obtain a court order to protect their gender. Yet, this topic is still being presented to the Supreme Court thanks to number 45. So this is why it is important to know our history, because history is repeating itself this week. But on a lighter note, today is all about heroes. There's a hero, yes. (laughs) I'm living my Delilah slash Mariah Carey dreams right now. But no, I thought today I would do, I would bring you another solo episode based on an article that I wrote for West 42nd Street Magazine all about heroes, personal, and yep, you guessed it, the sandwich. Because if you didn't know, the hero sandwich has a long, sordid history. And this whole podcast came together really, really, really randomly because number one, The magazine, West 42nd Street, shout out to them, asked me to write an article about my personal hero. And what did I do? I wrote about a sandwich. Yep. 
Because um, how am I going to be a food writer and not write about a sandwich when we're talking about heroes? And then secondly, it was Comic-Con in the city, right? Once again, all about superheroes and the like and super villains. Super cool. And thirdly, I just did a run with my brother. My brother loves to sign us up for all these random 5Ks. And we did a 5K at City Field and one at Yankee Stadium. And this one was called Tunnel to Towers. And I just let him sign me up and I just show up and go. But I didn't do my research. And I really should have this time around because this 5K, the Tunnel to Towers run, was in honor of a hero, firefighter Stephen Siller, who in all of his firefighter gear during 9-11, the 9-11 attacks, ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Once again, ran through in all his gear with all the cars there, the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Could you even imagine? I did it in shorts and a tank top, and I was sweating bullets. So I can't even imagine how this man made it through to go try and help save lives and in turn giving his life to try to help out doing his duty as a fireman. So he is a hero as well. Interesting. It, Like I said, it all <laughs> just came together really, really randomly. And I was just really excited to kind of, it was in the stars. Everything was pointing to, you need to do a podcast about this. So let's get to it. Um, in looking up the origins of the word hero, I found... Um, Two, two points that kind of piqued my interest. One is that the word may in fact predate the Greek language. Wow, think about that. Like, predate the Greek language? Like, what, would, what did that sound like? Uh, that, this kind of stuff fascinates me for sure. And then the second thing, and this came as no surprise, in history, the word or the term hero always referenced men. And then... Obviously, as we grew as humans and evolved, it kind of encompasses everybody and it could encompass you. It could be me or even a sandwich. And much like the word hero itself um, and its slightly vague entomology, the word hero, as it refers to a large cylindrical sandwich, also has a few contrasting origin stories, one so much so that even is attached to the neighborhood that I live in. So I found this website, nearsay.com, that good website. The origins of the hero come from two myths, according to nearsay.com. The first states that it came from the local pronunciation of a Greek sandwich called a gyro. Mm. Uh, <laughs> however, the term hero as it pertains to the deli sandwich is found as far back as the 1940s. And gyros didn't really make a strong impression on American food culture till the 1960s. Wow. Like, what? That blew my mind. And who is sitting there researching all of this? That's what I want to know. Aside from the difference in time, heroes were created by Italians in New York, whereas gyros or gyros first gained popularity in Chicago. And then the second myth about the origin of the New York hero came from a 1936 food column by Clementine Paddleworth featured in the New York Herald Tribune. 
Paddleworth had sampled one of the sandwiches and wrote that you would have to be a hero to eat the whole thing because it was too large. Apparently, he did not have a TDM. Too much? (laughs) If you don't know what a TDM is, I'm going to leave that to you. Oh my goodness. So falling further down this hole of sandwich history, I found this place in my neighborhood in the 30s here in Midtown called Manganero's, or, or now Manganero's Hero Boy. Manganero's has been a neighborhood staple since 1893. It was once an Italian deli and grocery that expanded into a full-blown sandwich shop after a publicity stunt to only be split into two different businesses because, folks, this place has more drama than all the Real Housewives franchises and and the Basketball Wives franchises put together. There's a great Wall Street Journal article all about it. Go out there, find it. It's on the internet. It's definitely worth the read. But what I want to know folks out there, is why is a sandwich always better when it is made by somebody else? Like, I could make myself a BLT, and you could make me a BLT, but your BLT would be way better than the BLT that I made for me. Why is that? Can somebody answer that for me? You know how to get at me. Um, it's. I think it's a question for the ages, for sure. And kind of diving deeper into National Hoagie Day, I kind of wanted to know if Latin people, being a person of color, um, made hoagies. Because I know Cubans have Cuban sandwiches, and that has a really interesting history. Because back in the day, before the communist regime came in, they could easily sail from Cuba to Key West or Cuba to Tampa. And it was said that the Cuban sandwich was born in Cuba, but educated in Key West because when the cigar factories moved and all the workers moved out of Cuba, the sandwich came with them and the Cubans taught the locals of the Cuban sandwich. But I wanted to know if the Puerto Ricans have a sandwich like this. And we do, although... Growing up, my mother never fed me this, either one of these things. One is called el jibarito, which is modeled after, which is basically a patacón. And a patacón is a Venezuelan sandwich. But instead of bread, they used these large pieces of pressed fried plantain. Now, whoever thought of that is a genius. Why would we ever want bread again? And I wonder why I'm gaining weight by the minute. I mean, could you imagine a sandwich in between two juicy fried plantains? (laughs) It reminds me of that, of Marissa, um, Maurisa, you know, she's a, she's a third sexy person looking for, looking for a white man from Westchester. If you haven't seen uh, Mauricia on YouTube, it's really old, it's hysterical, and at one point, she's frying plantains, you know, nice and juicy, but a sandwich in between two fried plantains is all I want in my life. I also found that the Puerto Ricans make another sandwich called a sandwich de mezcla. Now, this is going to sound really gross, but I think I kind of want to make it because I bet you it would be delicious. This sandwich has uh, spam, 
which if you are a listener to the old podcast episodes, I tried, uh, Marie made me try Spam on the pod for the first time, like episode five, and it's salty and delicious. So this recipe has Spam, roasted red peppers, cheese, like cheese whiz, um, olives, evaporated milk, paprika, and a bunch of other spices. And then you put it on, you, you like blend it up, and you spread it on white bread, and then you cut it into little triangles. Sounds disgusting, yet delicious. That's kind of all I want in my life right now. Upon further investigation, now the Mexicans, why, why do the Mexican people have it together? Can, can somebody out there, I, I, need, I need my Mexican brothers and sisters on the pod, because we need to talk about their sandwich game okay because the mexicans took the sandwich and they took the hero and they put their foot in it i mean if you've never had a torta a torta comes on this like really delicious roll and it has like pickled spicy and sweet peppers and onions and everything but the kitchen sink and you know they put like roast pork or chicken tinga on it but in researching Mexicans have their sandwich game down. Cold tortas, hot tortas, tortas cubana, pepito, cochinita torta, torta ahogada, pambazo, semita, pelona, chanclas, guajolota, marinas, and guacamaya. Um, (laughs) Try to say all of that three times fast. I I feel like I need to do a tour of New York City and find all of these sandwiches, you know? So basically, you have your torta. That's the sandwich I just described. A torta cubana, you guessed, is much like the Cuban sandwich, but torta style. Delicious. This sandwich, Pepito, is kind of Mexico's answer to a cheesesteak without the cheese. It looks delicious. But folks, this torta... Ahogada, which means basically a choking torta. It comes, they serve it to you with plastic gloves. Now, anything served to you with plastic gloves has to be a winner because this sandwich on this thick, crusty bread is sitting in this spicy red salsa. It's just sitting in sauce. Doesn't that sound like my mouth is watering on the pod just as I talk about it. And a pambaso is basically a torta ahogada, but they soak the bread and then fry it. As if the soaking bread wasn't enough, we had to throw it in a deep fryer. This is what I mean about the Mexican people having their sandwich hero game on point. I think maybe even I can announce right here, right now on the pod that the, Mexic- the Mexicans are the heroes of all sandwiches. Fight me. Fight me on it. Go ahead. Fight me on it. I, I-, I want you to. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's either that or a good Italian hoagie. And at one point, and I've said this on the pod a lot, I used to work at this Italian restaurant, and the people who owned this restaurant had side jobs of a different sort. And they used to send a guy out to Philly every week to buy one of these really large, like a six-foot-long Italian hero with the sweet and spicy set peppers and all the meats and all the, like the sharp provolone. 
Oh, my God. It was so good. And the oil and the vinegar. This boy from Brooklyn was really, really, really happy. But this, but this pambaso, I, I, I'm going on a hunt here in New York to find a pambaso because it really sounds delicious. And if anybody wants to come along with me, you are more than welcome for sure. But I think I bored you enough with some sandwich talk for, for, <laughs> for the moment. I think now is a really, really great time for your favorite part and my favorite part of the pod, food news update. Food news update. Food news. Oh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. A blind woman said Burger King workers refused to read her the ingredients list for a brownie. Wow, Burger King. Wow. According (laughs) to Delish.com, Burger King had to issue an apology last week after a woman in the UK who is blind said that the employees refused to read the ingredients list for a brownie to her. Medina Hall told the BBC that she went to the Folkestone UK Burger King and informed them of her nut allergy, which can cause her severe asthma attacks. Medina said she asked employees working there at the time to read the brownies ingredients list allowed to her but said that they refused and told her they could only hand her the menu. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Burger King, do, do we really need to tell you to do better? I mean, with all, with all the mess happening in the world, I wonder if they have Brexit brain or they're just so influenced by their also new um, not-so-great prime minister is it that they're just they're just following suit here of douchebaggery that they can't even help out their fellow woman and just read the menu to her but what i really want to know is where's where was the menu for the blind i i thought that was like a standard thing everywhere that you if there're blind people walk into your establishment your food establishment you have a menu in braille am i wrong on this i don't know um does somebody out there know this? I I don't have a clue, but in my mind, it would make sense that, oh, you're blind? Here, Here's a menu in Braille. Oh, you don't read Braille? Let me help you out because I'm a good person, and I'm just going to read you the menu so you don't die because you have a nut allergy. Hello? I don't know. In the end, Medina said that she hopes menu items and allergy information will be both will both be made accessible to all customers, echoing a similar call from Rachel Hollis in August, a deaf Burger King customer in the U.S. who said she was denied drive through service because the location was too busy. Yikes, Burger King. Yikes. New York City public schools may ban all processed meats. Yes. All right. I'm not, I'm not mad at this. Thanks, Grub Street. Um, apparently, if you all didn't know, the New York Times a few days ago or last week declared that beef and pork may not be so bad for you. Terrible for the environment, but not so bad for you. But apparently the New York City Council passed a resolution encouraging the Department of Education to ban all processed meats in New York City schools. This comes a few months after Mayor Bill de Blasio instituted Meatless Mondays across all city schools, a measure that went into effect at the beginning of 
the 2019-20 school year. Wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. And for all those school meals that are provided to kids in need in poorer areas, I'm hoping that this provides healthier options than just processed meats like bologna and things. Wow, wow. I... I am all for this if if they're replacing it with good things. I love this, but could you but could you imagine when you were growing up going to school if you couldn't get, you know, your bologna sandwich or your, you know, process your boar's head processed or hormel processed turkey and uh, turkey and cheddar cheese sandwich or a hot dog? Could you imagine? I don't know, but write to me. Tell me what you think about this, because this is definitely a hot topic issue, and I would love to know your thoughts. I mean, no more bacon in schools, could you imagine? No more BLTs, or for those schools that provide breakfast to kids, no more breakfast sausage? What will we have next? Or maybe there'll be breakfast sausage, it just couldn't be processed, which is which is great, I think. I wonder if the food industry, though, those, the big food companies that produce all of these things, these terrible things, the big food companies that produce all these terrible things for us are going to fight back on this and somebody will lose an election or they'll stick their money or their nose into somebody's, you know, office or they'll, you know, bribe somebody or throw some money at some other politician to make this all go away to keep you know, to keep the processed meat industry um, going. Interesting, interesting. I I really love this food news update. This might be one of my favorites yet. Uh, Let me know what you think. You know how to get me in your mouth pod on Twitter and Instagram or in your mouth nyc at gmail.com. You know what? Thank you to the New York City Council. I think you're doing, you're heading in the right direction with this idea, in my personal opinion. Woman gets felony for dying and dashing on a chalupa she found not chalupa y enough. I love people, and I love munchies for this article. Apparently, Jennifer Culver said she wasn't paying for that shit, according to court records. So this happened in Peru, Indiana, at a place called Los Amigos, because everything good happens in Peru, Indiana. Jennifer Culver apparently went with her kids, and they ordered a chalupa, a children's menu quesadilla, and some drinks. And when she apparently received said chalupa, um, she started to question it and said, this isn't a chalupa. And and obviously the staff at Los Amigos were like, girl, this isn't Taco Bell. Um, we can give you something else or take it off the bill. But nope, Jennifer was having none of it, allegedly. And so <laughs> she ate the whole thing and then took off uh, not paying her $11.73 tab. When the manager caught up with her and told her she had to pay, she was like, nope, fuck you, I'm out of here, and she left. The police even called her and said, yo, Jen, pay the bill, and there won't be any problems. But she refused to pay the bill. And the police called her five times. Only in Peru, Indiana, do the police call you five times. 
I wonder what her background was because I bet you if she were brown, the police would have barely called once. But I digress. So (laughs) apparently a jury trial was held and because of a previous theft conviction, she earned herself a level six felony conviction along with 120 days of electronic monitoring and $485 in fines, court costs, and fees, all for this $11.73, which she still had to pay to Los Amigos. She even tried to appeal, and it was a no-go in the court. How funny. Why are people crazy? People, if you order something at a restaurant and you don't like it, it's okay to send it back. Just be a human and be nice to your waitstaff and just say, hey, this isn't what I thought it was. And if you're gracious and nice, nothing nothing will happen to you and nothing will happen to it. You know, just don't disgruntle the servers. You know, don't mess with your servers because in the end, your servers will always win. And with that, I think this is a great end to Food News Update. Yes, I really love Food News Update. I really actually wish I had more time and didn't have about 8 million jobs because I would turn it into an entire YouTube series. But back to the hoagies, the heroes, and the sandwiches. As I was going through Food News Update, I completely remembered I went to college in a music school in Princeton, New Jersey. And in Princeton, New Jersey, there is a place called Hoagie Haven. And they were known for being the soup Nazis. Uh, do, do you all remember the soup Nazi episode of Seinfeld? Very, very famous. No soup for you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they were really known for being that sort of militant sandwich shop. And if you didn't know what you wanted, if you didn't know if you wanted half a hoagie or a whole hoagie, you were sent right to the back of the line. And we didn't gain the freshmen like 30. We gained like the freshmen 150 because every night it was cheesesteak and mozzarella sticks or chicken parm, extra sauce or, oh my God, mm, yeah, I'm having like really good flashback memories to Hoagie Haven. According to Yelp, though, the top 10 hoagie places in New York City, starting with number 10 is Pasilio's Italian Panini. Do we consider a panini a hoagie? Hmm, I guess so. I guess it's just a smashed, heated up hoagie, right? Sir Jimmo's Salumaria is coming in at number nine, which I wrote about in my article, and I have yet to be to, but I'm dying to go. Number eight is Farmer in the Deli. Number seven is Steak and Hoagies. Mmm. Number six is Park Italian Gourmet. Number five is Rocco's Italian Sausages and Philly Cheese Steak. My favorite thing about Rocco's Italian Sausages on Yelp is their picture is of them and Danny DeVito hysterical. Check that out. Number four is Parisi Bakery. Very, very famous. Number three is Shorty's. Number two, and I love that this is number two, is Sal, Chris, and Charlie's Deli in Astoria. Now, I was introduced to Sal, Chris, and Charlie's by my friend Kristen, 
and I can never remember the name to this day. I always call it Ann, Ann Pete's and Sally's, or I always make up a name, but it is worth it. If you are ever in the city or if you are living in the city, get yourself out to Astoria to Sal, Chris, and Charlie's Deli because it is like nothing else. And coming in at number one, drum roll please, is FICO's Italian Specialties. Mm. Is anybody else hungry? Because I sure am. <laughs> Going further down this deep, dark hole of sandwich love and hero, hero horniness... <laughs> Going further down this hole of sandwich love and hero horniness, I found this article on the strangest sandwiches uh, ever made. One is called the chow mein sandwich, and this sandwich is apparently more common in New England. It's made with fried noodles, traditional Chinese vegetables, and a gravy served in a hamburger bun, much like a sloppy joe. Gross. I don't want any of that. Number two is a peanut butter, bacon, and bananas. I've never had one, but I hear it's good. Uh, Number three, sausage and marmalade, or marmalade, if you're nasty. Um, (laughs) Pork and oranges. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? I'd, I'd be into it. I would be into it. I don't know about you all out there, but I would be into it. A donut Monte Cristo. That kind of sounds really, really good. I mean... It's sweet and savory and cheesy. Yeah, I can, I can get down with that. Mm, put that in my mouth. Uh, baked bean French toast sandwiches. Baked beans, bacon, and cheese between two slices of bread, then fried like French toast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why not? Why the fuck not? That sounds great. <laughs> An apple pie sandwich, all right, dessert. That's kind of like, I consider that like a Hot Pocket or one of those McDonald's dollar apple pies. A chicken and waffle sandwich, yeah, that's nothing new. Pear and walnut sandwiches. Do you know, once upon a time, I made a pear, blue cheese, and walnut mac and cheese, and it was everything. But we're not talking about mac and cheese today. Isn't that interesting? Do you all have any crazy sandwiches you've ever eaten or ever made? Or maybe so, like as a kid, do, do you all out there have any crazy combinations of things that you would eat? I remember I used to take those handy snacks, uh, cheese and crackers. And when the crackers was were done, because there was always more cheese than there was crackers, I would put it on chocolate chip cookies. Talk about like early on charcuterie plate, right? Like cheese and and chocolate. Yeah, I was a food. I was born to be this like gay foodie person, definitely. In other sandwich news, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the longest sandwich happened in Lebanon on May 22nd, 2011, by the group Notre Dame Hazmie, ooh, sorry, I'm butchering that name, Scouts de l'Independence, yes, the longest sandwich measured 2,400 
and 11 feet and 5 inches. Put that in your mouth. And it was created by members of three teams in total. Wow, that's crazy. That's a really freaking long sandwich. For all you size queens out there, this one's for you. Um, The total number of participants participants from the three teams who were involved in the preparation and cooking of the sandwich was 136 and 639 participants filled the sandwich which took 22 hours to make so they also created four four-wheel movable ovens especially for this attempt in order to bake one long continuous piece of bread people People have too much time on their hands. I mean, and what happened to this sandwich afterwards? Did did everybody eat this sandwich or was everybody just sick of deli meat by that time? Because it took 22 hours to make a long time ago. I wonder if my name is in the Guinness Book of World Records because a long time ago, I and a bunch of friends participated in Subway Sandwiches Try to to be in the Guinness Book of World Records by creating X amount or as many six-foot-long or foot-long subs in one period of time. It was really crazy. Uh, I got paid to do it. You know, as a young actor, you take all these crazy jobs, and that was one of them. And I remember I got paid to do it. Yeah, that was that was uh, some good memories down there. But now I'm curious if my name is in the in this book of world records cuz now i had a flashback to doing that with like 200 other people just sitting there making a subway sandwich and then we put it in a bag but the great thing about that was all those sandwiches that we made got delivered to shelters across the city afterwards or allegedly got delivered cuz i didn't deliver them but they all went on a truck and got delivered to maybe city harvest or people in need. And I, I want to really, really believe that end of that story because I, I love, you know what, out of all the bad things that are happening in the world these days, you know, we have to have hope and faith in our fellow man. Speaking of having hope and faith in our fellow man, I've talked about this man a lot and he's, and I want to end the pod with an ode to chef Jose Andres, who really stepped up his game and during Hurricane Maria went to feed the island of Puerto Rico and has been on the ground during a lot of natural disasters with him and his team just trying to feed the people and, you know, just doing all that philanthropic work. Um, Jose Andres is a Spanish-American chef often credited with bringing small plates Small Plates Dining Concept to America. If you're in New York City, you can go over to Hudson Yards to Little Spain, and that's all his creation. And uh, he's somebody I really, really look up to in the chefing culinary world. Um, So shout out to you, Jose Andres. I really want to thank all of you for sticking with me on this hoagie journey, or shall we say this foot-long fiesta. (laughs) 
beyond this footlong fiesta, sticking with me throughout my latest journey uh, going solo on the pod. I, you know, we're, we're still figuring it out and I'm having a blast doing it. There's a lot of more great things and more great co-hosts coming up. And with that, I hope you have an awesome day, night, morning, or afternoon, whenever you're listening. And thanks for listening to In Yo Mouth. <laughs>